Praise the Lord, church. Anybody grateful for God's favor in their life? Grateful for his favor in 2022 that was behind us and beside us. All of the good things, all of the blessings that God gave to us. Not just the things that we normally thank God for, but the things that we normally overlook. Like just taking us to 2023, like just being here, like our families being blessed and around us for the holiday season. Just some of the simple things, amen. We thank God for all of his goodness and we certainly thank him for going before us in 2023. You know, as I was praying um, during the last few weeks about God's word for 2023 for us as a church, you know, normally when we flip the page, we, we look forward to going into a new year where we talk about the most blessed year of our life or we talk about God's favor increasing in our life. And we, we love that. We believe that. But I really felt like what God spoke to my heart is, is a word really that is very, very personal for each one of us because we know God is for us. But the question is, are we for him? Because I think what has happened to the church over the last couple of years, not just this church, but the church in general, is culture has got the best of the church. And, and the church has slipped into a comfortable, convenient Christianity. And when we have a comfortable, convenient Christianity, we can't do anything for God. You can't impact the world by being only half in. And so God's word for us for 2023 is all in. Are you ready to go all in for Jesus? And I'm telling you, when you go all in for Jesus, there is nothing, nothing, nothing that God won't do. And the funny thing about this, this word for 2023 is, is Jesus said it over and over again, but, but somehow, some way, we have missed it. Jesus said, for instance, if you find your life, then you'll lose it. In other words, if he says, if you live so as to acquire and, 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 and get and build what, what you want, ultimately you'll lose your life. But then he said, if you lose your life for my sake, then you'll find it. And so it's the paradox of, of what we, we often go after in life versus what God wants for us. And, and often we think that our way is better and will produce more. But the fact of the matter is God's way is better. And so this year, God's word for us is stop sitting on the fence. Stop treating God like he is a convenience and a comfort. And start living your life according to what Jesus himself said. And that is lose your life so that you can find it. And so we're beginning a new series this year. It's called All In. And uh, one of the great blessings in my life, you all know this perhaps, the greatest blessing in my life is that my kids love the Lord and, and are serving him full time and are both great preachers and great ministers of the gospel. And so this week, my son Joseph is going to kick off the series. All in, would you receive him as he comes? Amen. Good morning, everybody, and happy new year. Uh, in case you guys didn't know this, this is actually a multicultural service. So 
uh, I guess I should say hola, como estas to my uh, Spanish folks. I hope that was okay and acceptable to you guys. Uh, but we're, we're happy to uh, have this service with you guys, and it's just an honor to be bringing the Word of God. Thank you to my dad, Pastor Frank, for giving me this uh, opportunity to be able to preach the Word of God. I'm excited, and I, I believe that God has something special for this new series, uh, All In. So if you guys would, just uh, take out your Bibles, whether you guys have a Bible, as, as I like to call it, a phone Bible. Bible or you have a paper Bible. Paper Bible is so much better, man. You got to go with the paper Bible. Um, but we're going to say this all together. Uh, so ready? Go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will be fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all God's destiny to be. Amen, amen. If you guys would remain standing as we go to John chapter 4, verse 20. I'm going to read four verses, and this is Jesus. He's having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And in this conversation, the woman says, So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here in Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, and I want you guys to pay attention to this part. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. We're in our new series here called All In that Pastor Frank just announced. And I'm excited to preach to you from the title, Living a Lifestyle of worship, living a lifestyle of worship. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you anoint my words right now? Lord, would you be with me? I need you, God. Father, would you open hearts? Would we be receptive to uh, the hearing of your word right now? Would we leave change transformed in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing with me. I pretty much have started a bunch of sermons in this same exact light. And if my impact students that are in the back, they, they know this. But as I and Pastor Frank have mentioned many, 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 many times before, I played baseball growing up. And I love to play baseball. And I had such a great time doing it. And I'm going to start 2023 with a little pat on the back. I was good at baseball, all right? I was real good. You did, you did not want to mess with me at the plate, okay? I, I took 400 dead center, you know what I mean? But, uh, I, I could, I could hit for power. I could hit for average. I had a good arm. I had a good glove and I had above average speed. And so I was a good baseball player. But here's the thing. My coaches and my dad, especially, would always say, you could be so much better. You could be so much better. And to be quite honest with you, my coaches would tell me, you're kind of lazy. And see, the thing was, is I, I, I was good at baseball and I had a lot of talent, but I had so much untapped potential that I was not achieving. And here's why. 
The reason I had all this untapped attempt, potential that I was not achieving is because I had not chosen to make baseball my lifestyle. Baseball was something that I did and that, you know, I went and I worked with trainers for a couple months out of the year and, you know, even in the off season, I'd go to the cages, but ball wasn't really life. It was kind of just something that I did on the side as a part of my life. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but it didn't allow me to achieve the full potential that I could have unlocked in playing baseball. And obviously you guys know that the title of my, my sermon this morning is Living a Lifestyle of Worship. And what I mean by that is exactly what Jesus said in our text earlier. In our text earlier, Jesus said that we're to worship in spirit and in truth. Worship in spirit and in truth. And Jesus says this in response to a Samaritan woman who basically is like, hey, Jesus... Where am I supposed to worship? Is it over on Mount Gerizim? Is it in Jerusalem? I'm not really sure. And Jesus flips the question on his head as Jesus likes to do many times. Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. The time is coming where it's not about where you worship. It's about how you worship. And so he takes this question of where and answers it with how we are to worship. And he says, in spirit and truth. And by the way, this is not, you know, we're not leading into like, you know, it doesn't really matter where you don't need to come to church. No, you need to come to church too. And we'll get to that in a second. But first, we have to worship in spirit. And so I did a study on what these two words mean, in spirit and in truth. And first we have in spirit. In spirit means from a genuine place in our heart where we are fully devoted to God with everything that we have with like regularly in our lives. In spirit, it talks about from the innermost parts of our being. That's worshiping God in spirit. But then we have in truth. And in truth is referring to worshiping God by understanding and obeying the truth about God in his word. So if we take this idea of worshiping God in spirit and truth, we lead, we get to this idea of living a lifestyle of worship where we've decided that we're going to follow God with all of our heart according to the truth in his word. And see, I think that some of us, we treat our worship and our relationship with God the way that I look back on myself with baseball. See, We have to decide to worship God with everything that we have. We have to actually decide that worship is not going to be something that I just do when I sing some nice songs in church. Worship is not going to be something that I do maybe three to four days out of the seven days of the week. Worship is going to be my lifestyle as it was intended to be. And just like me with baseball, here's the good news for you, is that just like I had all this potential in baseball, we all have potential in God. We all have potential to win souls to God. We all have potential to go and accomplish our God-given purpose, God's will for our lives. We all have this great and vast potential that God has for us. But the truth that we sometimes don't like to say is that if we don't, live a lifestyle of worship, we will never unlock the fullness of what God has for us. 
we need to live a lifestyle of worship. See, we have these spiritual highs where, man, I just, man, God's power just whacked me at this service or, you know, this was such a great sermon and I'm so on fire for God. I'm so excited for God. And many students come to me as a youth pastor and they say, Pastor Joey, man, that retreat was crazy or, you know, that service was crazy. I just got wrecked by the power of God. I just want to live for God. But here's what they always say to me. But how do I do that? How do I live out this lifestyle of worship? And that's exactly what I want to talk to you guys about this morning is how we live a lifestyle of worship. Because I believe that there are a lot of people that want to live a lifestyle of worship, but perhaps don't know how. And so this morning, I plan to answer the question of how we live a lifestyle of worship as we jump into this series, All In. And I'm excited about this, by the way, because it's amazing how God works. Just briefly, I'll share this with you. I felt on my heart to do the series All In with Impact. And I was praying, Lord, what, what, what would you have for 2023 for Impact Youth? And the Lord spoke to me and was like, I want you to do All In. And then I felt the Lord say to me, but I want you to go talk to your dad about it. I want you to go talk to Pastor Frank about it. And I said, okay. And so I walked in and said, hey, dad, I said, do, do you have a theme for 2023 for Faith Church by any chance? I'm just curious because I obviously wanted to, you know, be in line with the vision that he has because, because Faith Church is Pastor Frank's vision. And I, he, he turned and he said to me, yeah, he goes, I was thinking of doing all in. And it's just amazing how God works because when God speaks, he often speaks in stereo. He speaks loudly. He speaks to everyone. So I know that this series is of God and that God has a great plan for it. But today, this morning, I want to talk about living a lifestyle of worship. So how do we live a lifestyle of worship? I want to show you that today from God's word. My first point, we live a lifestyle of worship through praise. We live a lifestyle of worship through praise. Look at what Psalm 34 verses 1 through 3 says. It says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. The author of this psalm is uh, David, and David, he says that he's going to praise the Lord at all times, and he sings this grand song of praise to God. And by the way, this is just a good point for us to know, praise is what we think of when we think of worship. When we think of worship, the th first thing that we go to in our mind is like, you know, I, I don't know, some Maverick City music or some, you know, songs like kind of like what they were doing, and that's worship. But here's the thing, that's actually just an element of worship. That is an element of worship called praise. And so David, he is praising God by telling him, Lord, you're so good. He's just lifting up the name of the Lord. And David, he understands that he needed to have this praise as a rhythm, as a habit in his life in order to live a lifestyle of worship. He was a man dedicated to praise, dedicated to that life. And I know that because the Bible says in Psalm 34, 1, that I will praise the Lord at all Times David is saying, he'll praise the Lord at all times. He understood that praise was something that needed to be continually done in his life. And why is that? Because our dedication to praising God helps us maintain, keep us living a lifestyle of worship. You might think to yourself this, 
How does praising God help me live a lifestyle of worship? I, I don't really understand how that makes sense. How, how could just praising God all of a sudden help me live a lifestyle of worship? And see, here's why. There's many Bible stories where people have difficult situations, right? We all know that. There's plenty of Bible st- stories where people are facing challenges and situations. And I've noticed in these situations that almost always they seem like the type of situation that would cause somebody to stop living a lifestyle of worship. It's something that's trying to get in the person's way, get them derailed for what God has for their lives, get them off of what God would have for them in their lives. And one of those stories, you might be familiar with it, is Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas in Acts 16.25. And Paul and Silas, they were just arrested for preaching the gospel. And so they're, they're in prison right now. And this is not the type of situation that any of us want to be in, Okay. They're in prison, they're in shackles, they can't move, they're just sitting there in the back of the prison, behind a jail cell. It's the kind of thing that would make you not want to live a lifestyle of worship anymore. God, this is where you brought me. I'm in jail now, God. What are you doing, God? I don't want to live this lifestyle of worship anymore. But here's what Paul and Silas do in Acts 16.25. Around midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Paul and Silas flip it on its head, and they say, yeah, I know what the lifestyle of worship has brought so far, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep praising God, and I'll tell you why I believe that they did that in just a second. But then we have David, the author of this psalm that we just read. I'll praise the Lord at all times. Understand that David was somebody that was overlooked by his father, because when, when Samuel came to anoint the next king, Jesse, David's father, said, here are all my sons. And he's like, um, do you have any more sons? He's like, oh yeah, I kind of have one more out in the field. David was overlooked by his father. King Saul tried to kill David. His son led a rebellion against him to try and overthrow him. Yet David still said, I will praise the Lord at all times. Why was praise the continual grounding point for these people? Why was praise the thing that kept them living this lifestyle of worship? And here's why. Because praise shifts our focus off of us and our problems and situations and puts our focus onto our God. Praise takes our the focus off of us and puts our focus onto God. Where's, where, where's Matt O'Hara? Is Matt O'Hara here? Matt O? Matt O, why don't you, Matt, Matt O, jo- c- come on the stage with me. He volunteered to do something with me. Come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. Matt's, Matt's gonna come on stage with me. I got a, I got a quick, quick sermon illustration. I'm gonna show you guys how praise can keep us living this lifestyle worship. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Matt, why don't you just stand right there? I want you to stand there. See, I have this balance beam here. Y'all were like, what is this balance beam? And when is this gonna come into the scene here? But, This balance beam represents living a lifestyle of worship, okay? And I got these big old candy bars right here. And it's New Year's Day. I know what that means. Y'all are like, I'm not eating any of these candy bars, right? You know, I'm trying to cut back a little bit. And and some of you are like, I need the candy bars in the first place. Don't lie. Don't lie. But um, 
And you're living a lifestyle of worship and we see these temptations that we have around us, right? These candy bars represent our temptations and challenges and difficulties that we may face in life. And so we start on this lifestyle of worship and we we hop on and we start walking and we go, oh man, oh, that looks good. That temptation looks good, man. I... And you're like, oh, man, I fell off again. And, and so we, we hop on and we start living this lifestyle of worship and we go, man, that difficulty, that this, this challenge, this situation, it just it's just so difficult. I don't know if I should serve God anymore. This really isn't it for me. And we fall right off living this lifestyle of worship. And the next thing comes in, we're not living the lifestyle of worship anymore. And things keep coming and they try and trip us up over and over again. But here's where praise comes into the picture. I asked Matt to come in because Matt's going to represent God in this scenario. He's not God, but he's going to represent God. Trust me, Matt's not God. Um, <laughs> Matt's a great guy. I'm just kidding. Uh, living a lifestyle of worship where we start on this balance beam, right? And we're on it. And we start to see the temptation come our way. But then we begin to praise. And here's what praise starts to do. Praise starts to reach out to God. And we begin to reach out to God and we say, oh God, I'm not going to look at my problems anymore. God, I'm going to look to you. And so we start to say, God, I'm not worried about this temptation. I'm not worried about that temptation. God, you're so good. God, you're so great. And we reach out to God and we watch as we see as God begins to pull us through our situation. Instead of letting our situation control us, instead of putting the focus on us or our situation, we put our focus onto our God when we praise. Give it up for Matt. I gave him a hard time. So, thanks, Matt. That was crispy. But see, praise takes our focus off of all of this, off of all the problems, off of all the difficulties, off off of all the temptations, and takes our focus and refocuses us to God. God is the one who can bring us through. God is the one that is an answer when we have no answer. God is a grounding point when we feel like we're going to fall. God is the only thing that can bring us through. God is the only thing that can help us walk this, walk out this lifestyle of worship. Praise shifts our focus off of us and onto our God. We have to stop looking to the right and looking to the left. Stop walking this lifestyle of worship and going, oh, look at over here and look at over there and what's going on over there and what's going on over here. We have to stop being here and there and start taking our focus off of the ground and up towards our God who can actually bring us through our situations, who can actually have an answer, who can actually keep us grounded and living this lifestyle of worship. Take time out of your day to give God praise. Why not listen to some worship music on your way to work? Why not? Get our focus onto our God. Why not? Praise God out of your mouth throughout your day while you're at work. Watch this, but not only when things are going good, but even when things aren't going so good. When something happens, you're on your way to work and someone cuts you off and, you know, you got a flat tire because someone, you know, cuts you off and here's what we all want to do. We don't think about praising that moment. We want to go cuss that guy out. We want to go take him out. But here's the reality. If we want to live this lifestyle of worship, we need to offer up God praise in every situation. Not just the good, not just the bad, but in every situation, just like David, we need to say, I will constantly give God praise. 
At all times, I will give God praise, not just in not just in the good, but in the bad. Not just in the bad, but in the good. Sometimes we could forget God when things are going good too. Things are going really good in our lives and we're just like, man, I don't need God. And that's exactly where the enemy sometimes wants us to be. Praise will shift our focus off of us and onto our God. Praise is a necessity to living this lifestyle of worship. Live a lifestyle of worship. So how do we live a lifestyle worship? We just address praise. Now the next one. Feeling pretty good right now? You're like, I, I could do the praise thing. I could do the praise thing. My second point. We have to live a lifestyle of worship through the secret place of prayer. Through the secret place of prayer. Luke chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. It says, but the, despite Jesus' instructions... The report about his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But watch this. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. In this passage of scripture, Jesus had just healed a man of leprosy. And leprosy is a highly contagious disease, much more contagious than COVID-19. And Jesus goes and he lays hands on the leper. Man, that will get some people shaking in here. But Jesus goes and touches the leper, touches this disease, reaches out his hand and heals this leper. And he heals the man and everyone's going nuts in the town. They're like, no way. They're like, this leper just got healed. This is an incurable disease. How did this happen? And so everybody starts lining up. Everyone's like, come and heal me, Jesus. Come and heal me, Jesus. And everyone's going crazy. But the Bible says, and the scriptures tell us, that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. Why did he do this? Because Jesus understood that prayer is what helps us live a lifestyle of worship. Prayer is what keeps us grounded. Prayer is essential to being connected to our God. And I notice how I didn't just say prayer. I said the secret place of prayer. There is a distinct difference between prayer and the secret place of prayer. Here's why. I thought about making the point just prayer, but I felt God tell me the secret place of prayer. Prayer is not when you are just here right now and you know, you know, this is my prayer to God right now. Prayer is not just God, God, you know, have a good day. Prayer is not that that those these are parts of prayer but the secret place of prayer is far different the secret place of prayer is when you go into your closet you go into your room you go into your office you shut the door and you go and you get before God and say God what do you want me to do with my life God I need you the secret place of prayer is when you hear the voice of God we think of prayer as God I need this God I need that but that is not prayer that, that is an element of prayer it's an element because God, Jesus says in the Our Father prayer that we actually have a place to say, give us our daily bread, to actually bring our requests before him. But prayer is developing a relationship and a connection with God. I'll get to that a little bit more later. But I know that Jesus thought it was a necessity to pray because the Bible talks about it many, many, many times that Jesus often withdrew to pray. Jesus could have very easily especially in this passage, you could have been like, I'm kind of too busy to go pray right now. I, I have all these people lined up here. I'm just going to go and pray for all of them. But Jesus knew, no, I can't do that. I need to go and retreat and be with my father to go connect with him in the secret place of prayer. Jesus understood the importance 
of prayer in living a lifestyle of worship, of keeping us connected to the Father. Sometimes we have our priorities wrong. We really do, and I've been there before myself. But we say, you know, I don't know. I'm busy with the kids today. Not sure if I really have time to be able to pray. There's a big game on today, but tomorrow I'll get right to it. You know, kids got sports going on. I'm not really sure if it's going to work out for today. You know, I just haven't really spent any time with my spouse. So I guess I'll just pray tomorrow. You know, I, I, uh, my, my kid has sports for the next three months. I'm just not going to come to church anymore. I'll come back after three months, though. See, we have our priorities out of whack where we think that we can live a relationship with God. We can live a lifestyle of worship without prayer. We think we can live a lifestyle of worship without prayer. Jesus had so many crowds of people around him, but yet he still retreated. Jesus, God in the flesh, found the necessity to pray. If Jesus prayed, God in the flesh prayed, how much more do you and I need to get before God in the secret place of prayer? The secret place is where our connection with God gets stronger. The secret place is where we say, plugged in to the presence of God. This is not just an occasional prayer, not just a God, God, you know, I hope you have a good day. I'm having a good day. Prayer is getting before God and really going after his presence. Prayer is essential to living a lifestyle of worship. Ben, do you have that lamp over there? I want to show you guys kind of what I mean in regard to uh, prayer and living a lifestyle of worship. We all know how a lamp works, right? I hope so. But a lamp has a plug at the end, right? You guys all know that, right? We're not, I'm not doing anything too advanced now, right? But if I don't plug this lamp in, while this lamp may have potential to produce light, right? If I, this lamp has potential to produce light, but if I don't plug it in, it will never reach its full potential. It will never do what it was created to do. If I don't connect it to the source, it won't do its purpose. But if I connect this lamp to a power outlet, and I go and I place it on a stand, and I go and I turn the lamp on, immediately it's going to produce light. Why? Because it's connected to the source. Now, I could do a couple of things. I could keep the lamp plugged in and it could always be connected to the source. I could take it out and put it in sometimes. I I could do a lot of things, right? But here's the reality. The lamp will only do its purpose, will only produce light if it is connected to the source. But watch this. You see, our relationship with God can be either connected to the source Or disconnected from the source. Our relationship with God can be one of really those three things, to be honest with you. Because I said three things there. It can either be the first thing, not connected at all. We never pray. We never spend time before the presence of God. And over time, we're going to watch ourselves slip from a lifestyle of worship. Or our relationship with God can be connected sometimes, but disconnected other times. Or we can choose that I'm going to stay connected to God at all times. And how I'm going to do that, how I'm going to stay connected to the source at all times is I'm going to go to the secret place of prayer. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend time with God so I can be connected to Him, so I can share His heart, so I can know what His desires are for me, what His plans are for me. 
A lamp without its connection to the source is us without our connection to God. All this potential wasted. God wants us to get before him in the secret place of prayer. You might be thinking right now, I know somebody's thinking this. Why can't I have a relationship with God without prayer? Come on, really? I, I, why can't I have a relationship with God without prayer? I, I don't believe you. A relationship with God without prayer is a marriage without conversation. You know, imagine if someone was married, but they never spoke to their spouse. Imagine if someone was married, but only spoke to their spouse when they needed something. Imagine if someone was married, but they could really only carve out one minute in their day to talk to the person. Let's be honest. How long would that marriage last? We all know the answer is not very long. In the same way, well, I guess hypothetically, you can be saved without prayer. How long is that relationship really going to last? How long are we really going to live a lifestyle of worship if we are not connected to God in the secret place of prayer? Here's how we need to view the relationship between Christ and the church. This is biblical. The church, everybody, this is not faith church. The church is anybody who has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The church is the bride of Christ. So really, we should view our relationship with Christ as a marriage to Christ. And so if we're supposed to be married to Christ, then why are we not taking time every single day to spend in his presence? We can't be too busy to talk to our spouse, so why would we be too busy to talk to God? See, people say, you know, I'm too busy for that. I believe you really just don't want to make time for it. And there's some things that that's appropriate for. You know, oh, I just don't really have time to watch college football. Fine, that's not something that's important in our lives. But there's other things that, oh, I just don't really have time to go for church. I just believe it's not really a priority. I don't really have time to pray. Well, it just must not really be a priority then. We need to decide what our priorities are. We need to decide that spending time with God in the secret place of prayer is one of the most valuable things that we can do every single day. And I'm not condemning anybody here. I've been there myself in my own life. I'm not shouting at anybody saying you're bad if you aren't praying. All I'm encouraging you with today is that if you do not connect yourself to the source, you will never reach the full potential God has for you. If we really want to live a lifestyle of worship, we need to make the secret place of prayer a priority. Are we just going to let another year pass us by? It's the new year. It's a new year resolution. I know that many people in here probably, I want to be closer to God this year. I want to be all in, just like pastor said earlier. I want that. That's what I want for this year. I want that for 2023. If we really want that, we need to be in the secret place of prayer. I promise you, if you devote yourself to prayer, if you get into that prayer room, man, start with like 15 minutes. Start there. 15 minutes, you get before the Lord in the prayer room. I promise you, you will not leave 2023 the same way that you came in. Your life will be completely changed. Amen. We're to live a lifestyle of worship. We're to live a lifestyle of worship. My last point, we live a lifestyle of worship by valuing God's will over people's will. We live a lifestyle of worship by valuing God's will 
over people's will. But see, there's two parts to people's will. There's two parts to people's will. The first part of people's will is other people's will. Look at what Acts chapter 5 verse 29 says. It says, but Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. In this text, Peter and the apostles, they're going around and they're preaching the gospel and they're healing the sick and they're laying hands on people and seeing the power of God fill their lives. But the religious leaders who, by the way, the religious leaders of that time, they had very like heavy government influence as well. They weren't just religious leaders. They were also very influential in the government. And they're like, hey, cut it out. We don't want to hear about this Jesus anymore. We don't want to see you going around doing all this stuff anymore. Cut it out. And the apostles go, yeah, right. And they go and they keep on doing it. So you know what they do? They go and they throw the apostles into jail. And the apostles miraculously, by the power of God, God delivers them from jail. And so you know what the apostles do? The apostles go, we're out now. We might as well tell people about Jesus again. You're like, what are these people dense? That they don't understand that they don't want them, that, that these people don't want them preaching the gospel here? No, they're not dense. They're just obeying God's will over man's will. That's it. They're just obeying God's will over people's will. Peter responded, we must obey God rather than man. Can I be real for a second? We need some Peters in the church. We need some people that are going to say, I know what they're saying. I know what this person is saying. I know what that person is saying. But here's what God is saying. Here's what God wants me to do with my life. And if God told me to do it, then no man is going to be able to stop me. No man's going to be able to stop me. I will obey God rather than man. I know that they don't like me talking about Jesus at my work. But guess what? That's the purpose of why I'm here on this earth. I'm going to talk about Jesus anyway. And this is going to step on some toes here. But I think that some Christians, if they were Peter and the apostles, they would have said something like this when the religious leaders said to cut it out. Well, they did ask nicely. That was very kind of them to, to give us this warning. And, you know, we are to obey the government and, you know, just do whatever they're supposed to do. So, you know, they told me to stop preaching the gospel. So I guess I'm just not really going to preach the gospel anymore out of courtesy to them and out of kindness to them. And while they may be very well-meaning in saying that, that is not what God is looking for in this final hour of time. God is not looking for people that are just going to roll over and get kicked around when people tell them, don't tell the gospel. God is is looking for people that are going to say my life is not my own. I was bought with a price. God is looking for people that will say I will obey your will over people's will. And understand this, I'm not telling us that we're not supposed to be law-abiding citizens. I'm not saying to go break the law, but I am saying if it comes between the government and God's word, you better believe you know which one I'm picking. I'm picking God's word every single time. 24-7-365, it is God's word. How could we successfully live a lifestyle of worship if we're obeying other people's will over God's will? Because at that point, we're just worshiping them, not God. That's the reality. We're just worshiping them and not God. If we choose to obey someone other than God, then we're worshiping that thing or that person over God. We must obey God's will over people's will. Second, there's our will. We have other people's will, but we also have our will. 
Mark 14, 36 says, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. This is Jesus talking. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus in his humanity being fully surrendered to God. He understood the weight of the cross. He understood the cross that was before him as he's in this garden of Gethsemane crying out to God saying, Lord, if it's possible, would you take this cup of suffering from me? But yet not my will, but your will, God. See, Christianity has gone a little bit soft today. It's all about our feelings. I just don't really feel like it today. I don't know. I'm just not really feeling it today. I went to church today and I didn't really feel the presence of God today. You know, I don't really feel like going to church. I would rather just, you know, go and watch the game. Or even our wants. You know, I don't really think that I'm going to come to church for the next five months, Pastor, because, you know, my, my son or daughter has this sports tournament or this dance competition. What happened to biblical Christianity? What happened to sacrifice? What happened to Romans 12.1 to give our lives as a living sacrifice acceptable to God and that this is the truly the way to worship Him? What happened to Matthew 16.24? The disciples, uh, Jesus said to the disciples, if any of you wants to follow me, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. What happened to putting God before everything else? What happened to Joshua 24.15? As for me and my house, We will serve the Lord. What happened? What happened? We seem to have a higher value on everything else other than God. God is just, God is kind of the way that I treated treated baseball to many Christians. Well, it's there and it's out there, but you know, if something else comes up, I think I'm going to go with that instead. That is not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is I will be at church. Every single week. Why church? Because the Bible says to not forsake the assembling of yourselves. Why church? Because church is is a time for us to encourage one another and build one another up in the faith. Church is an opportunity for us to get fed the word of God. It's not about coming to church out of religious obligation. It's about obeying the word of God and obeying the word of God because we know that the word of God knows what it's talking about. We need to obey the word of God. We need to get back to biblical Christianity where it's all about being about the Father's business, not about our business. We need to get back to doing what God would have for us in our lives, valuing what His will is over what people's will is. Our lives are not our own. We were bought with a price. Our lives are not our own. We were created for a purpose. One day we're all going to die. And it's not going to matter, you know, oh, well, I was kind of busy on this day or that day. It's going to be about the impact that we made for the kingdom of God. Do we honestly think that if we stand before God and said, I just kind of had an event for, you know, seven Sundays in a row, so I just couldn't make it to church. Do we really think that God's going to stand there and go, oh, no big deal, no problem. I understand that I'm not a priority to you. We have to prioritize God's will over our will. And it's not just about church. 
It's about every area of our lives, all consuming. God tells us to move and we decide to move. And I get it. I've missed it before in my own life. God has told me to do something and I didn't do it. But we need to strive to be in obedience to God's will over people's will in our daily lives. That is how we live a lifestyle of worship. Worship team, you guys can start to make your way out. In order for us to be all in, in 2023, we have to be living a lifestyle of worship. We have to be. It's not a choice. If we really want to be all in, not half in and half out, if we really want to be all in, we must choose to live a lifestyle of worship. And I know that this is hard right here, but the Bible says it. There really isn't a half in, half out. There really isn't. Revelation says, Jesus said this. These are the words of Jesus. That if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. We need to be all in for 2023. Let's make serving God, living a lifestyle of worship, not just something that we do every Sunday, not just something we do at midweek Bible study, but something that we do day in and day out. You know, amen. You know, I've heard some people argue with me, well, it's not a salvation issue. It's not a salvation issue for me to do any of these things that you just said. I hear what you're saying, but that's not the way that I'm saved. So what does it matter? Why do I need to praise, pray, and obey God's will? I don't need to do any of that. The Bible says if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then I'll be saved. So it's not a salvation issue. Well, here's what I'll tell you this. You're absolutely not saved by your own works. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But here's what I will say to you. Imagine a marriage, a husband. Every time that the wife said, Hey, hey, honey, could you take the trash out? Hmm, is this a divorce issue? Hey, hey, honey, can, can you walk the dog? Is this a divorce issue? Honey, can, can you take the trash out? Is this a divorce issue? And every time that the wife said something, can you help me make the bed? Can you do the, help me do the dishes? Well, is this a divorce issue? Well, no, it wasn't a divorce issue at first, but guess what? Here's the reality. How long do you think that that marriage would last if every time that a spouse said something to the other spouse, the response was, hmm, is this a divorce issue? If we're our faith in God, if we really, if we really even have to say, well, that's not a salvation issue, I question your love for God. I know that's hard, but I do. Because here's the reality. It is not about doing all the things and this and that. It is about us loving God so much that we want to do those things. It's about a love for God. We love our spouses enough to do things for our spouses. We should love God enough that when he asks us to do something that we look to do it. But here's the good news. God doesn't just ask us to do things and just, just to be annoying. God doesn't go, yeah, I'm going to ask them to do this just because it's an inconvenience for their life. No. God actually asks us to do things for our benefit. Many times. Now, God can ask us to do something just to see if we'll obey. I'm not saying that he can't. But I am saying this. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and everything else will be added on to you. 
Matthew 6, 33. It's a powerful passage of scripture if we really think about it. In other words, here's, here's what I'm going to put on it right here. If we live a lifestyle of worship, if, if we live a lifestyle of worship, watch and see what God will add to your life. God, watch and see what God will do in your life. It's about seeking his kingdom first. We don't seek his kingdom for any other reason than the fact that we love God. But when we seek first his kingdom, when we live a lifestyle of worship, we'll watch and see as God will pour out his blessings upon our lives. I believe that there's some people in here that want to live a lifestyle of worship. You hear what I'm saying right now? And even if you haven't been doing some of the things that I'm saying, you're like, man, I, I really want to live this lifestyle of worship. I really want to be all in for 2023. I really want to go places with my relationship with God that I've never gone before. And here's what I'm going to say to you and I'm going to declare to you right now is that you will go places that you have never gone before in your relationship with God. You will accomplish things for God that you've never done in your entire life in 2023. But again, will you choose to live a lifestyle of worship? I'm just a preacher up here right now. I can't make you make that decision. I can't. I did my best to encourage you and persuade you to make a decision to make a, to live a lifestyle of worship. I did my absolute best. I got excited and passionate just like I am right now. But guess what? I can get as passionate and as excited and as, uh, and as hype as I possibly can. And you could still leave here and not make a decision to make, live a lifestyle of worship. That's just the reality. This is the decision that you need to make. Pastor Frank can't make this decision for you. I can't make this decision for you. You have to make, you have to decide that I am fully in for the cause of Christ. That I am all in for what God has for me this year and for every year that I have after this. This is a change in lifestyle. And perhaps you're sitting here right now and you're like, I have been living the lifestyle of worship. Well, that's, that's wonderful and that's, and that's great. But we need to continue in that lifestyle day in and day out. Will you today live a lifestyle of worship leaving this place?